Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. Insufficient data to formulate a slide. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hi there. Welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Joe, joined as always by Devin and Steve. So, you guys ready to tackle a really groovy mystery? Just one? Yeah. No, actually, it's three. Oh. And actually, these aren't entirely mysteries. Well, the theme of this week's episode is places you don't want to go. And yeah. I got to say, I don't want to go to any of these. Yeah, they're scary places. Yeah. I kind of want to go to mine. Well, that's because mm. you're weird. Well, okay, I can see why you'd want to go yeah, there. But you're still weird. That's yeah. true. I am weird. No, actually, I do want to go to your place. Oh, you do? Not right? your house, but your, your, <laughs> your scary place that you're going to you've been about. to my house before. Yeah, yeah no, I, I've been there. I don't really want to go back. No. <laughs> I don't. <yeah. laughs> just kidding. All kinds <clears throat> of yard work and stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, okay, let's just start talking about these unpleasant, scary places. My vote for the place to stay away from is the Nahanti Valley, uh, which is in the Northwest Territories in Canada. That is on the northern part of Canada. It's just um, to the east of the Yukon Territories, which are just to the east of Alaska. Yeah. So it's well up there. It's way up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've heard estimates that as many as 44 people have known to have either disappeared or died under mysterious circumstances in this valley. Wow. Were, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, you know. It is way up in the wilds some. of Canada. Yeah. yeah there's bears that's and some stuff. some people. Mm-hmm. Some. Well, my, I mean, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. 
Okay, on, on with our story. When the first European trappers and gold miners began to get into the area uh, around the valley, they talked to the natives quite a bit and heard a lot of legends about it. The Indians said that they avoided traveling there because it was inhabited by evil spirits. Uh, they also thought that it was home to spirit creatures known as the Wahila, which is supposed to be kind of half wolf, half bear. And uh, that sounds like a really ugly critter. Yeah, I know, and that's one I would stay away from. Yeah. Uh, they also thought that the natives actually thought the Wahilas had mystical powers, uh, like the the ability to appear and disappear at will. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be one scary critter. It's a pretty handy, handy little uh, power. Yeah. To have. Yeah, I know. I wish I had it. Uh, the locals also had stories about a tribe called the Naha. They were a, this fierce mountain tribe that lived in and around the valley, and they would come pouring out of the mountains occasionally on, on slave raiding parties hmm. on, yeah, on the, the lowlanders. And yet somehow, uh, right about the time white people arrived, or a little before even, uh, the entire tribe just disappeared. That's so, unusual. Well, you know, maybe they were wiped out by disease. Um, well, or, there's a lot of reasons. And yeah. I know we're going to get into some of that. But there's a lot of reasons why people will disappear. But it's just weird that it it, it precludes the appearance of the white man. Yeah. It's just like Roanoke Colony, man. Yeah. A little bit. All right. So anyway, it's, uh, this is either a huge historical mystery or it's just the wilderness version of an urban legend. I'm not sure which. <laughs> uh, oh, so it's yeah. possible that they didn't ever exist? Uh, I, yeah, I think it's possible. There's really no evidence that they did. No artifacts. I see. No okay, nothing. got yeah. it. Yeah. So who knows? But anyway, back to our story. As the Europeans began to come into the area, they um, looking for gold and furs and stuff like that. There are stories that were spread that there was gold in the Nahani Valley, and so that's when the troubles began. That's always when the trouble begins. I know. I know. Yeah. You saw Treasure of the Sierra Madre, written by D. Traven. Yeah, 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 I totally yeah. saw also, that. Also, we just talked about gold being found last week. Yeah, no, I did. So. Yeah, Joe's got a thing about stories that involve gold. gold. Have you I noticed know. this recently? What's he telling us? I like gold. I'm, I'm hinting. I want for gold bars for oh. my birthday. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. that that nice new patio out back is hiding something. Nope, not, mm. not that at all. Got it, okay. Oh, nope. no, no. It was kind of a rush job, though. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of guys were on the, on the lookout for gold. In 1906, uh, the place was, the Nahani Valley was pretty much untouched and unexplored. But a couple of brothers, Willie and Frank McLeod, decided they wanted to head up to the Yukon. Willie and Frank. Yeah, Willie and Frank. That's okay, it. I thought you said Willie Frank, as in it was first and middle name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, oh, I thought I said Willie and Frank. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, so they wanted to go up to the Klondike, I guess, and they decided to go through the, the, the valley, and they persuaded another guy named Bobby Weir to go along with them. So they headed up the Nahani River and in spring 1906, and uh, they were never seen alive again. What? All three? Uh, yeah, all three. Uh, the, McLeod's, the, the McLeod brothers' bodies were eventually found about two years later, but their heads were gone. What? Yeah, they had been decapitated. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what kind of shape their bodies were in. I, in some, some accounts I've heard they were just skeletons. And they should think after two years, I don't know how much would be left. Well, that, Skeletons. that depends on when they died. If they died as soon as they got there, then yes, two years would have gone by. Yeah. Bugs, but if they lived for a year or so, them, so, there might yeah. have been remains other yeah. than just a skeleton. It's small after a year in know, a wilderness it's, it's like pretty, that. It's pretty cold, though, up yeah. there. It's not as if they're in a tropical jungle where it's nothing but bugs and, and other critters. Yeah, but you've got skeletons. Scavengers looking for a warm, easy meal. Yeah, that's true. Probably a lot of those, a lot of that going on. Okay. So yeah, I uh, 
I would say they were probably skeletons, but ah, whatever. But the, the, the key point here is their heads were gone. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and as for uh, as for the other guy, Bobby Weir, apparently uh, a native hunting party found a, a decomposed body a year later, about half a mile away mm. from that spot where the, the brothers were found. But it's not that it apparently wasn't. Uh, I don't even know how they they really identified the brothers. Maybe through their possessions. That it's that's yeah. the only thing I can yeah. think of. Yeah, obviously not their fingerprints <laughs> <laughs> or no. their dental records. Yeah. And, you know, dental records weren't really a thing. Also, yeah. they never found their heads. So yeah, that Good makes point. it kind of hard. Like, it's hard to do dental records with no dentist. Denti? Dent- head? No. no Just let's say head. head. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And and so that was not the end of it. Uh, a, a guy named Martin Jorgensen, who was a, a prospector, was found headless in 1917 be outside the burnt remains of his cabin along the Flat River. Uh, in other versions, he was found inside the cabin. And, and so it was right about this time that the nickname of Headless Valley, or also the, the Valley of the Headless Men, both of them began to like append itself to the Nahani Valley. For good reason, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then a little time went by. People were disappearing, of course, at a steady rate. Uh, in 1945, a miner from Ontario was found in his sleeping bag in the Valley of the Headless Men with, again, his head missing. And, oh, by the way, none of the heads that, that disappeared were ever found. Well, they never are in Highlander either. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else has made that connection? Come no. on. No. It, this valley is obviously where the Highlanders are going. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, it could be it. That's that makes it, sense. It's the quickening. Yeah. The Yukon, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That yeah. Makes sense. Uh, let's see. There were other mysterious deaths that didn't involve beheading. In one case, a, a, the body of a trapper named John O'Brien was found sitting at his camp, frozen solid next to his campfire, with a box of matches in his hand. So I, I also guess... heard in a version that it, it appeared that the fire had been burning amazingly hot at one point and so he must have flash frozen did you come across that oh version? yeah I, I saw that i saw that that out there and i i don't I, that doesn't make any sense i couldn't find any support for that i think he probably actually fell in, fell in the river and was like you know had really bad exposure and was you know shaking like a leaf and trying to get a fire lit and just didn't quite it succeed. failed yeah that's that's probably what i think or somebody murdered him but he still had his head he still had his head got yeah, it yeah kept his head about him yeah haha <laughs> So here's some theories about this place and why it became this evil, this place of evil headlessness. Uh, some people thought that there might be some sort of mad trapper or murderous hermit running around in the Hadi Valley. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I know. Yeah, remember, remember Albert Johnson? Yes. Yeah. Mad trapper of Rat River? Yeah. There's a guy named Dick North who wrote a book about him, and uh, North speculated that Johnson might have passed through the valley in the years prior to his move to Rat River. And he thinks Johnson might be responsible for uh, at least some of the murders. But, of course, he has no evidence for that. And, of course, Johnson died in 1932, so he obviously couldn't have carried out the 1945 beheading. Right. No. Yeah, yeah. And that I th- doesn't work at all. And I think he was too young to have murdered the McLeod brothers in 1906. Mm. I would agree, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. so. he was in his 40s when he died, yeah. is that right? They weren't really sure. I think they, Johnson, I mean. Johnson, I think, they, I think they were thinking maybe right around 40. Yeah, that yeah. would make yeah. him a, a child at in when the first murders occurred. Yeah. That doesn't work. Yeah, okay. Our next theory uh, is, and some people actually believe this, the natives mostly, some, some thought that it was a remnant of the missing Naha tribe. So maybe they didn't actually completely disappear. They're just hiding. Mm. And uh, so they're lurking in the valley, and then so they did it. Tell me you read up on how this gets tied into the hollow earth theory. Oh, the hollow earth theory. You know, I didn't... Um, 
I, I've heard of the hollow earth theory. I wasn't really going to include this whole thing with the hollow earth theory, but yeah, there is there is a theory out there among some people that you know the earth is hollow, yes. and that the entrance is in this valley, yes. which is why if you get too close to finding that entrance to the hollow earth, then you know you got to be offed. You know what yeah. it also makes me think of this this whole the the entrance to where this tribe is living, and I don't think Devin's going to know this, but you might remember this is mm-hmm. there was a old comic called Turok, Son of Stone. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that at all? That sounds vaguely familiar. I don't yeah. think I, I, I remember seeing that. I don't. Re- I don't think I ever read that. Well, yeah, it's been on and off for fifty, sixty years, but mm-hmm. it's it was written as two Indian men, or it was an Indian man, an American Indian man and a American Indian boy find a cave, go into the system and come into a world where dinosaurs are still about. It's basically kind of the same hollow earth, find your way in, find your way out, travel between the two. But that's exactly what it made me think of is that they're going into this paradise and then they're protecting the entrance of paradise for all these interlopers who are going to come in and destroy it on them. Mm. I always like it when you're like, Devin's too young to know this totally nerdy reference that you know, probably totally knows about. You do? Yes. You just watched the animated version, didn't you? No. (laughs) Let's keep going. Okay. All right. Okay, next theory. The Dene tribe, uh, they're the ones who like, you know, lived outside the valley and didn't mm. prefer not to go into the valley. They had a theory that it was the Nukluk. Nukluk? The Nukluk, yeah. Okay, what which the heck is, is a Nukluk? Yeah, Nukluk uh, is a word that translates as man of the bush. Uh, all the Arctic tribes knew of the Nukluk, and they all were afraid of the Nukluk. Apparently what they are is they're short, sort of Neanderthal-like, sort of human, human but with, with more fur. And uh, they have sto- they carry stone weapons like stone clubs and such things, and uh, they're very violent. And it's said that they used to roam the whole of the Arctic Circle, and that and that as of the time of our story, their numbers were believed to have been reduced enough that they were all maybe had, hanging out in the Nahani Valley. They're like a hairy ogre or something. Is that what that is? Uh, no, obviously the Morlocks, right? Yeah, yeah, from the time machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would make sense too. That could be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. These guys apparently were some sort of just left behind branch of humanity, perhaps. This uh, is one of those things. Not, I don't want to like railroad sidetrack this at all. But this is one of those things that makes me contemplate how aware we are as humans of our past and how much leftover there is and mother civilization and going down a rabbit hole. But the fact that, you know, native indigenous people very often refer to this thing that we know now definitely existed and predated us. And they always have that as like a remnant somehow of a memory. Well, they live on the, they, they live literally on the ground. They're in the middle of it all the time and they're passing that history. Whereas we as a society, the white man, from what I can understand, hasn't explored this area other than aerial photography. We sent a plane over. We took a picture. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, there's tons we don't know. Yeah. I just mean, like, in terms of having this kind of mythical thing. Oh, you're talking not just this particular valley. Yeah, just I gotcha. in general. Got uh, it. The, nu- the nuclear. Yeah. yeah. I'm, always, I'm always astounded at when you hear stories of that. Yeah. Anyways. Sorry. Uh, uh, there, there are actually a few... European men who have seen these critters. Uh, in 1964, a trapper named John Baptist was, was with some companions in, uh, in the valley, and they came across a strange man-like creature about five feet tall. Uh, it had long, bushy hair and beard, hairy chest and back, and the hair was not quite so thick on the arms and legs. Mm. And, yeah, he took the, the, the nucleus took off. Baptist and his friends tracked it for a while, uh, and the entire time they heard strange whistling calls in the brush around them. 
And members of the Diné tribe later explained what that whistling meant. That's how the Nucleic communicated when they were on the hunt. So these guys thought they were tracking the Nucleic, but apparently a group of them were tracking, we're tracking these guys. Yeah. The hunter becomes the hunted. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just so. like a group of velociraptors. Yeah. Ooh. I know. I, yeah, there uh, there was another Nucleic sighting in 1964 by some kid whose name does uh, not has not been passed down through memory. Mm. I, so I don't know. I don't know that these things are actually real, but it sounds like it might not be beyond the realm of possibility. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's always a hard one to say. Yeah. You, you, we don't have anything that says they don't exist. Mm. That's the hard part. Yeah. Um, so I believe in their existence, maybe a little bit more than the, the Naha tribe. So our next theory, the Wahila. Remember the, the Wahila, that wolf-bear hybrid? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the ugly dog. Yeah, yeah. So it could have been the Wahila, except I don't really believe in the Wahila. The Wahila, you know what the Wahila sounds like to me is kind of like that hairless bear they saw. Do you remember that bear, the like sun bear or something that was roaming around? Maybe it was a grizzly bear that was like really, really sick. And so it didn't have any hair on it. And people were taking pictures of it. And they were like, what is this creature? This just happened like a few months ago. Oh, really? Do you not remember this? No. 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 Okay, never mind. Poor well, bear. Our listeners will know. No, well, I was just going to say is that, I mean, critters that are in states of distress tend to look really weird to us. Remember uh, the, the, the Montauk creature a couple of years back? Yeah. That yeah. turned out to be a pig? Yeah. yeah. But it was all it was washed up in the ocean and all beat up, and mm-hmm. it looks like something completely different. But yeah. I could see how a very yeah, this... sick animal, like say mange or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this bear looked like a brand new animal that nobody had ever seen before, huh. and they finally tranquilized it and they were like oh crap it's a really really sick bear so they, they uh, got it and treated it and released it and it looks totally normal again oh good for the bear anyways yeah well okay so so much for the wahila um uh, there our next theory is that maybe these incidents were just unrelated i mean it's obviously it's in a really rugged environment with bears and wolverines and, and stuff like that i'm inclined to go with this one just so yeah. you know is yeah. it because it's reasonable yeah, okay, exactly. Uh, I realize nobody can see me nodding boo. my head. Yeah, but boring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the case of the McLeod brothers, Bobby Weir's body was not found with him, so maybe he killed them, uh, and and then took off himself. And maybe they did strike gold. Yeah, and they they got a whole bunch of gold, and then mm-hmm. Bobby killed him and took off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the remains that were found a half mile away may or may not have been his remains, and maybe the McLeods died from disease. And, and the cold, and we're left to get help, just or just to save himself, and he just died somewhere along the way, and it's just really, really hard to say. As for the skulls, I mean, if you're laying there in the brush for, like, you know, a couple of years, an animal might actually just come and but chew your head off and carry it away. We've we've no. talked about this many, many times about how far bones will travel from oh, yeah. the initial site of death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, bottom line, I, I think this is a remote, inhospitable place, and... Uh, the odds of dying from a cold accident, animal attacks, because uh, you, you can't just call 911 in an emergency. You're just mm-hmm. out of luck. And if, just, if you do something as routine in our society as breaking a leg, well, that's it for you. You're there it's a, it. okay, well, uh, it's going to be a three-month hike to get to the doctor, yeah. which is a problem. But on the other, other hand, last theory, it is interesting. The deaths occurred with the beheadings and everything within a span of about 40 years. And, and in more recent years, people have visited the valley and nobody's lost their head. So it's possible the beheadings and the murders were done by one person. Yeah. It really is possible. So, I mean, 40 years, that's not an unnaturally long lifespan. Obviously, you're not going to start killing people until you're at least, like, you know, 15 or 18, whatever the legal age is in Canada. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. But and, and it's, it's also possible of this if, if it was some serial killer, you know, real mad trapper kind of lunatic. It turns out that the Valley of the Headless Men's has a lot of limestone caves in it. So a lot of places to hide bodies. To hide. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe one of these days they, somebody will be exploring a cave and make a really ghastly find. And find a little passage. altar of skulls mm. or something. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh-huh. That would be really... Th- throne of them? Yeah. Wasn't that what Conan sat on in the, uh, the first Conan movie, in a throne of skulls? Oh, I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen that. I know. Yeah. I, I swear it was a throne of skulls. Maybe it was in the comic. Yeah. Could have been. Yeah. I don't know. So that's it. So the, the Valley of the Headless Man. Don't go there, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't. Uh, right, so. You guys want to talk about my place that I kind of want to go? No, it's depressing. Uh, yeah. It no. is no, depressing. it's really depressing. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Aokigahara Forest, uh, which is also known as the Japanese Suicide Forest. Mm-hmm. Cheerful place. So if that is the sort of thing that disturbs you, skip ahead 15, 20. 15, 20-ish minutes. Sorry, everyone. We're not going to call it that. We It's often referred to as the Sea of Trees which uh, in Japanese can um, be said as the Jukai, which is how a lot of people refer to this forest. So we're going to go ahead and just refer to it as that. Okay. okay. Let's pretend I didn't already tell you that it's a suicide forest. though. <laughs> uh, because it's a beautiful, lush forest, the kind that you would see like in a Miyazaki film, kind of. Uh, it's yeah. an idyllic 14 square miles at the foot of Mount Fuji. And it is the, mo- the second most popular place in the world to commit suicide. Uh, the What's first the is first? the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, okay. Uh, numbers vary, but reportedly anywhere between 10 and 100 people kill themselves in the Jukai every year. In 2010, there were 57 confirmed suicides. In 2002, the number of confirmed suicides was 78. And I say confirmed because we don't have a way of knowing for sure... Why? In 2003, after a rumored 105 confirmed suicides, the government decided maybe telling everybody how many people killed themselves in this forest is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. And the reason it's behind that idea. was to stop it from attracting other people to go yeah. there to do it. Mm-hmm. I think that was definitely part of it. Part of it uh, was to stop this kind of cycle. Another part of it was... It is a tourist attraction. There's a really famous ice cave there. There's a couple really famous other caves. There's a wind cave and a bunch of other really beautiful stuff. The, yeah, go look at the photos of the caves. They're yeah. fantastic. Yeah, you have to you have to Google specific things in regards to this one. <laughs> yeah. If you just Google the forest, it'll just kind of show you some pictures of a really beautiful place. But they were trying to nip the whole everybody go kill yourself there thing in the bud, but also not scare tourists away. Yeah, it makes sense. Kind of like in Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. This show is full of so many weird references today. Uh, so in addition to the kind of confirmed numbers, I don't know how they necessarily can confirm what happened in this past year versus not, but they, uh, the local government does conduct annual searches for bodies. And with the forest being what it is, it's hard to know if the bodies are older or younger or... Yeah, maybe they got missed the in last year's search. And, it's yeah. always... Po- it's an incredibly lush forest. It's really easy to get lost. It's hard to tell. It's also frozen half of the year or more. So it's possible that bodies could freeze in a non-decomposed state for 
six, eight, 12 almost months. And then they have a warm spell. It decompose. It starts to decompose. It freezes again. It's hard. Makes dating things difficult. Yeah. And Mm. frankly, I think sometimes they just don't even try because that's a lot of bodies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. And it's a very small group that has to deal with it. Yeah, it is. In the name of prevention, uh, not only are there large signs at every trailhead urging people to seek help, but workers also place signs as they search for the bodies to remind people that there's something to live for, just kind of sporadically around the forest. Hmm. So are, these, uh, are there just hundreds and hundreds of these signs all around the forest? There are a bunch of them, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, one of the big signs is loosely translated to kind of say, quote, Let's think once more about the life you were given, your parents, your brothers and sisters and children. Don't suffer alone. First, please contact somebody. And then it has a suicide hotline number on the bottom of it. It's, you know, it's funny to me. I mean, I've seen a lot of, you see those signs on bridges and stuff here about, you know, to encourage people to get help and they're going to jump. But I just say suicide counseling, this phone number. Well, no, I've seen some different, different signs. But what I crack up about this is this kind of plays on that, uh, that cultural bend of, you know, your family, mm-hmm. which is very important in mm-hmm. Japanese society. Yeah. It's actually really smart. Mm-hmm. I was, I read it. I was like, oh, whoever wrote that really knew what they were doing when yeah. they put this together. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting how intelligent they've been about trying to prevent suicide in this <laughs> forest. It's just a popular thing to do over there. Kill yourself? Oh, yeah. And the suicide in Japan is a lot higher than it is over here. That's true. If you haven't already, you should definitely creep yourself out by Googling Jukai and, uh, quote, forest bodies. Hopefully, I don't need to add this disclaimer, but some of those images are pretty disturbing or could be disturbing. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we've been doing this podcast for so long, but uh, dead bodies don't really creep me out that no this much. this is right up there with um body farms mm-hmm. and have you ever looked at images from body farms mm-hmm. You're talking about the ones where they just leave them laying out in the brush yeah to, to figure yeah. out what happens this was very much in line with the imagery i've seen from that and yeah. i think it's the same thing as we've looked at it enough mm-hmm. yeah i will show you i'll show you a picture later on of one body that really will creep you out okay yeah. no <laughs> yeah the forest is really, really lush. It's really, if you don't know what's going on in this forest, it's really beautiful. If you just look at pictures of the Jukai, it's it's just kind of breathtaking. It is genuinely, if you saw Spirited Away or um, Princess Mononoke, it looks like the forests from those movies. It really, really does. So because of the lushness of this forest, bodies are very often missed. Less these days because people have started, um, people who are hesitant to kill themselves will take trail tape with them. You know, that like nylon trail tape that you see tied around tree branches sometimes. They'll take that and they'll tie one end around a tree and they'll just like flow it behind them in a straight line. So they won't get lost? Yeah, so they won't get lost. So often that leads to something. Well, and it's... It is. I know you're going to talk about this, but it's really easy to get lost in this forest. Oh, it's really oh, wow. easy. Yeah, it's super, super easy. The And the most common way that people kill themselves is they either... Uh, the first most common is hanging, and the second most common is taking sleeping pills, but... Is that a, is there any do you know is there a, a male female ratio there I I, I almost know. imagine that men would be more likely to hang themselves than women Um 
from what I've heard, it's not so much a male-female ratio. It's a determined and not determined ratio. So the people who are determined will not mark their trail in, and they hang themselves. Okay. So hanging bodies or nooses with skeletons underneath are often found years and years and years later because there's no trail marking. Yeah, you can't get to it. Okay. Versus the fresher bodies that they find are often marked by a trail and they're not hung. They've taken sleeping pills and then it takes them a while to die from exposure because they're too weak from taking the sleeping pills. It doesn't kill them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it they're well, it too can. weak. To, it can kill you. It can, but it turns out that the people often... It doesn't. People don't take quite enough yeah. in this forest. For well, people people tend to overestimate, and it's probably the fault of movies, mm-hmm. how many pills it takes yeah. to actually make that And they happen. actually have, this is really, really creepy, but they have suicide manuals that they come out with in Japan that they'll find on a lot of these bodies that tells people how to kill themselves in, in the Jukai. Really? Yeah, it's really, it's a... really creepy. Mm. Yeah, and it says either hang yourself or take sleeping pills. I... Yeah. What? Okay. All right. I was going to make some joke about, you know, killing your your readership, but never mind. No, no, no. And some, I guess the third most common way to die in the forest is just by basic exhaustion, dehydration, or malnourishment. This is due to something we're going to talk about in a minute that's called ubatse, but it's a traditional practice in Japan. Traditional? I hesitate to call it traditional, but it is... I have a number of Japanese friends, and when I was talking to them about this story, I mentioned Ubatse, and they said, oh, does that happen there? <laughs> like, that's a thing that happens a lot. So you're looking at me. You know where we're going with I it. I do. But apparently the, the people of Japan, at least the people that I know from Japan, believe that this is a thing that legitimately happens. So All right. we'll leave it at that for a minute. Okay. It's not, it's not happening anymore, though, right? Well, uh, maybe. Okay. It's hard to tell. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm assuming besides bodies, because the story has gotten enough traction, there's other stuff that's being found? There's lots of other stuff. And, you know, Which visitors, is weird. Visitors do describe the forest as being unnaturally silent, well. as if all life has abandoned the forest intentionally. I've watched some videos of people walking through, and you can hear birds and things like that, but it is really muffled. Kind of as, you know, when you have, have the first snow... At least mm. in Portland. I know it's places really that quiet. get a lot of snow don't have this as much because the plows are out immediately. But it gets really quiet and muffled. And that's the truth of this forest as well. And a lot of people do leave stuff behind, like you said. There's ice and snow a lot of the time in the forest. And I don't know why people would leave a lot of this stuff behind. Like shoes of all sizes get left behind including children's shoes and it's not like a oh that kid dropped his shoe better leave it because he like was in a stroller pairs of shoes lined up mm. which is weird mm-hmm. there's people leave packs of photos children's toys there's a, a really interesting i don't know if you guys got to watch the vice video that i posted no for the link i saw it's that. really really interesting they follow a Japanese geologist who's part of the suicide patrols that go out there that I don't think I've mentioned yet, but I'm going to mention in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, he kind of explains things, but they find this stuffed animal that's kind of a humanoid figure that's been nailed upside down to a tree and kind of like cut open. And then there was a curse that was nailed into the inside of him. They find that while they're wandering around. So you kind of have the sense that that's the sort of thing that's around a lot. This is kind of like getting into Blair Witch territory. A little. Yeah. Yeah. 
There are a couple theories about why people go here to kill themselves. Why it's so popular? Why it's so popular. Okay. And Ubatse plays a role in it. Ubatse is, it literally translates to the leaving of an old woman. Oh, yeah. And it's this rumored Japanese tradition, although tradition I don't think is the right word. Practice. Practice, I guess, of leaving a family member who's very old or ill in a place to die, basically. It's... If somebody is a burden on the family, you take them out into a forest or some other deserted area and leave them to die so that they are no longer a burden to you. Hmm, nice. As I said, nice. there's there's not a whole... As far as I can tell, this is not a thing that actually ever happened. I, I, you know, in, in Japanese culture isn't the only place that I've heard of yeah. this kind of thing. Other yeah. cultures, yeah. But yeah, other cultures talk about taking the old out and or the old wandering away when they mm-hmm. decide that they become a bird. Yeah, yeah that's that's kind of back in the way way back days, like when you, we were living in the Stone Age. In know? the way back. In the way back. In days. the way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There and there's a larger conversation to be had here about the traditional treatment of seniors in japan and the fact that japanese seniors have the high a much higher rate of suicide than seniors in the rest of the world or the average rate of suicide in the rest of the world but we're not gonna dive into that so much yeah they haven't kept stats on the age of the people that they find out in their bodies out here right no they they haven't really kept stats other than numbers for the most part it sounds like yeah but even though I'm not totally willing to say that Ubatse is a real thing, let's assume it is. <laughs> and we can say that because it is, vengeful spirits from the family members who have been left behind haunt the Jukai and call people in. That's a good theory, right? Alternately, vengeful spirits from samurai who killed themselves in feudal times. Did they all go to the forest to kill themselves? I don't know. I don't think so, but that's a theory. Mm-hmm. It smacks of so many bad Hollywood movies where there's the house or the woods that are filled with evil spirits that draw people in. I mean, it makes me think of uh, Evil Dead with Bruce Campbell. You yeah. Know, the house is, it draws them in and does crazy stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's completely believable. Next, <laughs> yeah. next theory that has the exact same smack to it is the Uri, which are demon ghosts. Uh, also, maybe the Buddhist monk, which is a demon ghost. <laughs> there, well, there have been reports of people seeing a Buddhist monk wandering the forest. I love this. Uh, and some people claim to have even spoken with him. He asks people wandering the forest why they're there. And he tells them how to get out of the forest. He gives them, you know, there's the trail over Directions. there. Directions. Basically, yeah. If they say, oh my gosh, you're right. I don't want to kill myself. I don't think. Oh, yeah, actually, I guess I did mention that there's a core of volunteers that goes out to try and find people who haven't yet committed suicide. Mm-hmm. No, you talk about the people who go out and look for the bodies. Oh, yeah. they are also trying to find people who are out there who might be about to commit suicide and try to talk them out of it. Not in like, a, oh, you have so much to live for, blah, blah, blah. This is another thing you get to see in that Vice video because the gentleman that they're following is part of this core and they do find somebody and he just kind of sits there and talks to him for a couple minutes. He says, what are you doing out here? You know, you can't, you're not allowed to camp out here. Okay. Well, do you have food and water? Okay. Well, I just want you to think really hard about what's going on. It was really nice to meet you. Okay. 
you know, bye, basically. Uh, you know, it's not like a, you have so much to live for and don't kill yourself and blah, 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 blah. It's more of a, let's have an honest human interaction with each other. And hopefully that will discourage you from doing whatever you were thinking about doing. Hmm. And cluttering up our forest with corpses. Anyways, the reason that I bring this up is it turns out one of the, the people that's very active in this is a man by the name of Shaozen Yamashita, who is a Jodo Shinshu priest. It's a sect of Buddhism, and Yamashita Jushaku is uh, one of those monks, and he does dress in the traditional robes. Not the it's not the bright orange robes, yellowish monks robe. that everybody's familiar yeah, with. Yeah, they're dark robes, but they are traditional. You can kind of you could go out and Google it if you want. They are they're kind of big, dark, flowing robes. So. I think it's pretty possible that people are freaked out in the middle of the forest and have a real encounter and go back and talk to their friends. And they say, yeah, I talked to a monk in the middle of the forest. And people are like, you're crazy. (laughs) That's not a real thing. You probably saw a ghost. I can can very easily see that in a forest where it's super weird and creepy and you're on your own or it's just the two of you and suddenly... A monk, which is not something I think you would normally expect mm-hmm. to run across in a forest, yeah. suddenly mm-hmm. shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A little strange. Yes. Next up is the Kyuroi Jukai book, which is by uh, Saicho Matsumoto, who's a very famous Japanese novelist. He's written just an absurd amount of novels and books and poems and things like that. He's very, very famous. But he wrote this book. It came out in, I think it was 1960. Some things I read said 1962. It's not in print in English. And despite my clearly flawless Japanese pronunciation, (laughs) I do not actually read kanji or katakana. And that's the only way that you can get information about this book. (laughs) I did find a Wikipedia page on this book. And it was in Japanese, and I said, hey, Chrome, translate this page into English. And (laughs) I literally could not make the English words that appeared on the page make sense to my American brain. Oh, yeah. There were some very, very interesting things that happened. And I was... I know I mentioned to you guys, I was talking to one of my Japanese friends and I said, can you just read the synopsis and tell me what this book is about? And she kind of looked at it for a minute and said, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, so she read it in Japanese. She read it in Japanese and I, there are two different ways that it that this book could be. And it's also possible that it's like just a, there are a lot of Japanese concepts that don't translate very well into English. Yes. So it's possible that she just was like, I, I'm tired of you asking me things about Japan, so stop. <laughs> and uh, I don't really want to try and explain this to you. But as far as I can tell, this book is either about a woman who kills herself in the forest because of kind of a star-crossed lover forbidden love situation, or about a woman whose sister dies in a bus accident. Hmm. And... She, like, won't leave her sister, and then she tries to take over her sister's job. Or maybe there's, like, an evil spirit that possesses the sister. It's hard to tell. If you want to run this experiment, please be my guest. (laughs) Go out in your English-speaking brain and find the Wikipedia page and try and Google Translate it and 
And then if you can figure out what it means, tell me, please. But apparently it was a very, very popular book in Japan. Many people read it and thought, hey, that's a cool place to kill myself. Uh, yeah. Be, oh, because at go. some point at the end, she she commits suicide in, in the forest. forest. Yeah, as far as I can tell. In that particular forest. In the Jukai, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell. And then my final theory is that it could just be a really pretty place yeah, nice, to die. Yeah, a nice serene place to go kill yourself. It's really yeah. beautiful. It's really quiet. There's a lot of really secluded spaces. You don't have mm. to look at anybody. Somebody's not going to stumble upon you. And it's it not like saves... going to a campsite or something. Yeah, and it also, you know, not to be macabre or anything, but it saves your family and friends from having to find you. It's mm. a pretty much 100% guaranteed that your family and friends aren't going to be the ones who stumble upon your body in the middle of this forest. No. Somebody else I'd is going to, and they're going to, if you're still recognizable, they will tell your family what happened to you and where it happened. Mm-hmm. I, I have never really contemplated suicide, but I can see where the draw could come from that. Well, but of course, you know, the, and I think that the people who are in that situation don't think of is the exact opposite side of that, which is you're unrecognizable. You cannot be identified, which means your loved ones then live on forever wondering what happened to you. Oh, yeah. they, they I mean, there's always the other side of the coin. Yeah, well, they, 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 I mean, I'm sure they leave a note behind saying, I'm going to go off myself. Oh, maybe. You know, maybe for their family the before they had to strike out for the forest. Well, I have another theory. Which is that these are suicidal people. They go out to the forest to do it because they're animal lovers. They figure, I'll not only kill myself, but I'll leave a nice little tasty meal for all the animals. It's kind of like an air funeral. Yeah. 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 You know, in that Vice video, not to like refer too much to it. This is the third time now. Sorry. Hey, what about that Vice video? Yeah. No, but the, the, the guy that they're following, you know, he says they find this little area where there's a bunch of flowers and a box of chocolates. And he says, oh, it must have been the family and friends of this person who died. And he said, you know, I think it's a really beautiful reminder that you're never alone. Even if you think you're alone, you're not. So there's that. That's the up note to remind ourselves of this story. I really yeah. don't know how I'm going to follow that act. Because, wow. It's that... going to be an upper. I, <laughs> I hope so. Do you have something you I read a, that before you started. I read a little a, a fun little piece of trivia regarding this, which is that the work crews that have to go out and get the bodies and, oh, and yeah. bring them in. Mm-hmm. They take them down to the police station, I think, and there's a, they have a special room just for the suicides. Yep. They put him in there and put the body in there, and then they have to Rochambeau to see who gets to spend the night in the room with the body, because apparently um, it's bad mojo that to, to just leave, leave, them alone. leave the body alone. Yeah. So somebody has to stay with the body all night. Yeah. 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 And so uh, that'd, be, that'd be one you'd hate. You to know, lose. if it was a pile of bones, then it's okay. If it's anything otherwise, it's a rotting corpse. Ugh. You have to sit there with it. <laughs> Fun times. I don't know. I yeah, like from the living perspective, it's kind of a gnarly job, but from the the ideology of it it's kind of sweet no, you don't want to leave this spirit alone yeah no it's oh a, no you i think usher I, it no, in. Nice i would agree with that it's a nice no. sentiment no yeah it is. the sentiment is that it is. it's a good way to put it can we yeah. stop talking about suicide please yeah. hey everybody we're done we're kind of let's talk about, about something. something else uh i think we lied to people it's been a little more it might have been a little more than 20 minutes we'll but just that's edit okay. a new time we're going to talk about a new one yeah so steve do you have a an exciting terrible place for us i i do have a would is a beautiful but terrible place. I know this. Just like me. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but for completely different reason is it mm. a terrible place. Okay. Okay. Well, not so much a terrible place as a scary place. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of fear involved mm-hmm. here. Uh, let's let's go ahead. Um, the place that I don't think that these people that any of our listeners should be going. It's one that randomly catches on fire. Yeah, I guess yeah. that seems like a bad thing. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a well, bad not, thing. Not the whole place doesn't catch on fire. No, yeah. No. Yeah. no, it's not Pompeii or anything like that. Uh, we're talking about the village of Caronia. Mm. It's on it's on the island of Sicily, which it's east of. If you know the island at all, it's east of Palermo. Which and, is, and Sicily is Italy. Sicily is Italy. In case somebody didn't know that. Oh, I, I don't I, know. Yeah. I thought I said Italian village. If I didn't, it's oh, an Italian village. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's a pretty little coastal town, you know, from the photos and and everything. It's exactly what you'd picture a coastal town on the island of Sicily to look like. It's built up into the hills a little bit. It's really nice. I've shown you pictures of Goriano. Sicily, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's that, right? it's yeah. very picturesque. Oh, it is. I, I did my usual thing. I did a little street tour on Google. I did too. It's Beautiful. A neat little town. Really it was is. actually really hard to drive around in Google Street View, though, because it's one of those weird little towns where it looks like the street keeps going. And, but the but road doesn't. doesn't. The yeah. street does because you can walk on it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, why won't you go there? Go- uh, oh, mm-hmm. oops, and never mind. And by the way, the streets in this village are not like the, the what you're th- used to thinking of as streets. They're more kind of like alleys. They're, They're very mm-hmm. small. They're very yes. skinny. Yeah, it's, a very, of, it's a traditional village. Yeah, and mm-hmm. lots of like little weird underpass Switchbacks and, and yes, all yeah. of that good mm-hmm. stuff. But... Enough talking about this beautiful little place. Let's talk about the story. Okay. Let's talk about why you should be scared to go there. <laughs> yeah. And not yeah, just really, because of the mafia. We've really undersold this so far. <laughs> the, the story begins somewhere in the beginning of January of 2004 when randomly things literally started catching on fire. Mm-hmm. Lots of things. Like yeah. what? Like physical things. Like tell us. Okay, here's a list of things according to the media reports. Because this is the difficulty with this one is most of it is media reports. Mm-hmm. And I did the same thing. I was putting stuff into Chrome and getting it translated. And mm-hmm. it makes it a little rough. Here's the things that catch on fire. There's furniture. There's electronics like TVs or uh, microwave stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or computers would have their memories randomly wiped. What? That's a kind of an odd twist on the whole yeah. electronics bit. Parked cars would either cat, just be on fire or the, their, the glass would implode mm. into the car from mm. some kind of weird heat source. Uh, the doors, uh, electric doors on cars, the locks, mm-hmm. they would go on and off, open and close or lock and unlock constantly. Weird. And there's, there was, there's electronic gates that would randomly open and close on their own. So you'd just be walking up the street, and then the gates up ahead would open, and then close, and then open, and then close. Weird. Mm. Sounds like the whole town got hacked. It kind of does. Yeah. I've even seen a photo of what... It looks like it was a water tank on a wall. So if you imagine, in the, if you're from the States, you've got your toilet tank... It's almost like that shape, that square shape of a wa- uh, but as a water tank mm-hmm. with a pipe coming down, and it looks like the whole thing had caught fire. Hmm. A, water a water tank, tank? and a water pipe what? looked like they had caught on fire. It wasn't a, wa- a toilet tank. No, a toilet. No, sure? no, it wasn't sure? because there were pipes running away from it, and it was kind of cropped, but the pipe took an angle. Okay, in the in what Got I it. saw, so okay. I'm pre- pretty sure it wasn't somebody was smoking on the john. Sure. 
Now, of course, at first, when things are going up, especially the electronics are catching on fire, people started unplugging things. Yeah, right. and there were other things like, like appliances, like toasters and stuff yeah, too, right? Yeah, appliances, things in general that plugged in were catching on fire. So people so, were unplugging them. Logically. And the power company would eventually cut off the electricity. That, however, didn't stop the problem. One of the famous what? pictures you see is a hairdryer. Hanging on the wall, the cord looped up next to it, not plugged into anything, and the dryer on fire. What? Mm, Which really? is really weird. That's a little weird. Uh, now, did, did did the owner of the of the hair dryer like take a picture of it or something? Somebody had a picture of it as it was catching, as it was uh, flames were coming out of it. Yes, mm. it was. It almost looked like it was. They had stuck it in the towel rack. There was no towel, but they'd stuck it in the towel rack itself. And so you could see the wires, you know, looped mm-hmm. up around it. And the, and the head of it was had flames coming out of it. That's bizarre. Yeah, that's a hell of a hairdryer. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's Oh, and there's, there's other weird things that were going on in this village at the same time. People were reporting seeing glowing orbs over the ocean because, as we said, it's right on the ocean. And they also reported that there were UFOs flying just off the coastline. So this yeah. is... A nice little addition to the oh, by the way, everything I own is catching on fire. Yeah. How many uh, how many different people reported things catching on fire? I don't have a clear sense. I I'll say this now. I don't have a clear sense of how much stuff caught on fire. I don't have a clear sense of how long things caught on fire for. Mm-hmm. for we're going to talk about this in a sec, but there's the the time frames and the descriptions lead me to either believe that it was a short time frame, say like a month, uh-huh. or years that this stuff kept happening. But let me let but me eventually it stopped, right? I don't know that for sure. I believe that it stopped, but I don't know that for sure because the reporting is so like even the English versions of things, not to translate it, but the English versions are vague. So I'm not positive if it stopped. I have to imagine that for the most part it stopped. But we'll and some of this will be covered in theories. Okay. For the time frame thing, the time frame, about a week after or, of fires it happened, they evacuated the town and they, did they evacuate it right away? I thought they, it was after about a week or so. About a, oh really? Yeah, it was after about a week. Well, again, this is, depends on the accounting. Some say it was after two or four weeks they they evacuated. Some say after seventeen fires. Like again, it's never an exact number, but mm. they evacuated the town. Government brings in every expert that they can think of. They run tests on things that have been burned. They start. They put up cameras all over the town to try and figure out what's going on. The odd bit to me is that as soon as the as as big as the government swoops in mm-hmm. and starts doing all of this, the fire stopped. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's intriguing. Huh? Nothing caught, according to the government reports, nothing caught on fire while they were there. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. So eventually, they, you know, the people are like, hey, uh, I'd like to go home, please. Yeah. So eventually, they say, okay, well, we can't figure it out. Go ahead and go home. And the fires at that point, this is what I got to earlier, sporadically seem to start happening again. Weird. Here's some other weird things that then happened after that is water pipes begin to leak and burst. The pipes under your sink or whatever. Um, there's some theories on that that we can talk about in a bit. 
let's see what else we've got. There is, oh, yeah, this is, Devin's going to, I know you love this Yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, there's farmers in the area who grow eggplants. And according to their reports, all of their eggplants change colors. Hmm. Not they, they, you know, as eggplants will do, they Not change the from one way. color to, to another color when mm-hmm. they're ripe. They all change to different colors. The, yeah, I was reading through the script and I was kind of skimming. I missed this part and I was reading through the theories and it says the eggplants. And I was like, what? <laughs> the eggplants are responsible for everything. Apparently, yeah, Steve always. has lost it. So these things... <laughs> But but these eggplant the eggplants didn't just change to one odd color they changed to multiple different colors. That is what the reporting that I've seen said. Huh. Mm. I'm and I'm going to put that in doubt because that seems a bit fantastical. Oh, we'll talk about that a little bit in the theory section. But I, I actually did some research on eggplants, just trying to figure yeah, out what's going on. Yeah, in the eggplant section. In the eggplant yeah. section of the grocery store aisle. Yes. Uh, let's see. We also have, there's some other weird stuff. And this again, this is another vegetation thing. There's a local grass called the Mauritanian grass. Yeah, Mauritanian. Mauritanian. Thank Mauritanian. you. Mauritanian. Yeah. And it's, it's a big grass. So not like your lawn. This is a grass that grows eight feet high in a big yeah. Have bushy Have you seen my thing. lawn lately? <laughs> Your lawn is brown and scorched. It is not tall. Yeah. Unlike these plants, which are super tall. What this plant has in common with your lawn is that it was scorched. Brown and scorched. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was the, t- the plant at ground level showed signs of burning, but it wasn't as if it had ever catch- caught on fire. It was more of a smoldering heat kind of look. Mm. And I don't know how they figured this out, but I guess somebody would start digging them up. Is the roots were blackened as if they had been burned. Hmm. Now that's odd. It is. And the the last thing that I'll uh, I'll put in here is people have said that from that time or during that time that compasses weren't working correctly, that they were deviating from magnetic north. Mm. They were pointing somewhere else. There's a sure. clear UFO influence here, then. We are we are laying a ton of hints for the possible UFO theory right there. I will totally admit it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and another theory you're going to talk about too. Yep, yeah, and we we should go ahead and just jump right into the theories. Yeah, I think so. Because really, that's about all of the description that we've got for this particular story. Theory number one: yeah. the devil did it. Well, Satan. We Satan. Sh- you yeah. know what? We should have named this this episode is things that nefarious spirits do. Yeah, because that just rolls off the tongue. Places you don't want to go, things nefarious spirits. Okay, nefarious. All right, Mm. fine. (laughs) No, but that's been a common thread throughout everything. It it kind of is. Is that bad spirits are doing this thing? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, okay. The the this is kind of a combo. It's either the devil or evil spirits, uh, which is much like what we talked about in the forest that mm-hmm. you you had. I I've got to say the more superstitious villagers seem to fall in line with this right away, and you know the the the, the devil makes total sense. He comes from a really hot place. Of course, he would catch on stuff on fire. It's his fault. I get I get why people would see that. Although Small you think Italian he... villages are also very religious, usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think though that you know if the devil was up to this kind of stuff, he'd be spreading the he'd be spreading the love a little bit. You, know? you would think. You would think unless it would just there be this one was a very big concentration of sinners in the city town mm-hmm. village. But the devil is the devil is pro sinner. 
He would go. He would go to the most pious village and start oh, fires there. That's true. Yeah. Oops. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, well, let's, everyone. Let's move away from the devil did it this. to the the evil spirit side of this theory because there's actually some very simple logic in this one. According to villagers, this is the way things played out: is somebody's stuff or house would start to try to catch on fire. And an attempt to save their stuff, if they had somebody who would let them, they would take their belongings to that other person's house. So that if their house went up, at least their their precious things didn't go as well. Mm -hmm. Except that, according to this, the evil spirit was actually in the possessions. The evil spirit was causing the fire, was in a possession. That possession is brought into the new house. The spirit then jumps from the newly transported item to an item that had resided there previous to its arrival. So now Mm. it's jumped into the new home. Okay. It's going to catch things in that house on fire. That person's going to do the same thing. Oh, I got to get my stuff out of here. Moves it to the next person's house inadvertently passing the the infection. Yeah. yeah. They're passing the infection along. It's not a bad theory. It, It, in, from a very simple perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I suppose. Uh, you would think that a spirit really wouldn't need a ride over to his next place that he's going to go to. Well, you know, there's lazy spirits. Yeah, you know, sit around, eat Cheetos, catch something on fire, wait for a ride, yeah. play Xbox until that happens, or short the Xbox out. One of the two. It happens. Well, I'm, I'm totally buying into this, this spirit thing, but what other theories do we have? Well, no, I got one that you'll totally buy into. Oh, it's that? UFOs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I said there were flying objects seen in the area, glowing orbs over the ocean, and UFOs flying in the distance. There are stories of a helicopter chasing something but never quite being able to catch it. Those sightings supposedly became a regular occurrence right about the same time that all of the fires started. So that has led people to posit that... It's aliens that are causing the fires. Mm. Of course. That the aliens did it. Mm. Right. Why, though? This, I love this. This is hilarious to me, is that one article I read said they were doing it as a way to test how we, as a society or a group, would react and how good our response would be to a crisis, like a fire. Mm. So once these pyromaniac aliens figure out how our response patterns are, they'll be able to just invade because they'll know how to outwit us because they'll already know what we do is a predictable pattern. Because a small Italian village on an island exactly is probably <laughs> the best way to test that. Small sample size, baby. It's all about the small sample size. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. it seems wrong to me. Yeah, it just it just seems like, uh, yeah, you'd want to like, you're, you're going to a place where as an alien, you don't really know that these guys are representative uh, in terms of the way they would respond to anything, right? True. And besides which, you know, if they're powerful enough to, to set things remotely on fire, why didn't they set any people on fire? Well, I can just um, imagine that it's, you know, it's it's some drone alien worker in the drone alien worker reconnaissance office saying, where am I going to put this? I don't know. All those humans sound alike. These ones sound fine. This looks like a big enough settlement. We'll use it. Mm. I mean, it, mm. it, it could be that, or it could be that it's total hooey. So or no. the aliens were like, this place has been around for a long time. 
it's probably the pinnacle of what's We've going on. We've been watching this place for a thousand years. It hasn't changed, therefore it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or maybe not. Yeah. I'm going to move on. Please. Yeah, yeah. The next one I actually will, the next theory is actually the plausible one in my mind. I know, because you were bragging about it last week. Mm. <laughs> you were like, the theory that I came up with is actually supported. <laughs> I would like to support voice. it with this 17-page document that I found on the internet. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. Okay, well, our, our next theory is volcanic gases. Uh, what, what are volcanic gases? Well, you know, when you eat a lot of beans? No. Yeah. No, no. Let me, let me explain a little bit of the, uh, the geography of the area. I think the geology is pretty easy in terms of we know that there's a ton of freaking volcanoes in that area. Mm -hmm. But the geography of the area is this village is right on the coastline. So it's at sea level for the most part. And as you move inland, the land rises up. And there's little valleys so if you keep that in mind, we're going to keep going through some of this description, but that, that geography is what is important. Right above the village, just a couple miles up, is what is called the Autostrada A20. And it's a four-lane motorway. It runs around the coast of Sicily. And at the time, 2004, it was brand new. They finished construction in 2004. Huh. The train in the area, like we were talking about, there's the valleys. It's kind of hilly. The engineers, civil engineers, love this. Well, I don't want to go over it. I'll just dig a tunnel. So they dug a tunnel. They dug a bunch of tunnels. And what they did is they would tunnel through the mountain. They would come to a valley. They would build a bridge to the next mountain. They'd bore a hole in that hill, come out. If it was decent flat land, they'd put the road on the ground, and then they'd do it again wherever they had to. I want to go drive around Sicily on that. Road. The A20 looks really cool. If yeah. you look at it in the satellite views, you can actually see the shadow of the bridge thrown across onto the shape it's of the valleys. Super cool. It's re they're they're the they're kind of that that span arch bridge, mm -hmm. the the lower arch underneath, not on top. They're really neat looking. Yeah. Mm. But this is what they did. Well, the idea is that what happened is as they were digging those tunnels, they accidentally popped open a fissure or some kind of vein that was connected to a magma system or a volcanic system. Nothing major, because if they'd hit something major, we'd have known about it. Stuff had blowed up. Mm -hmm. And right. I say that in my best American accent. Stuff had blowed up. Yep. Yeah. It would have been... Obvious, but instead nothing happened, which means that they hit a crack or they hit a small leak. So this theory runs that there's a fissure in a tunnel and it's not obvious and it's leaking gas. So we're, we're talking explosive gas. So not just carbon monoxide, but methane, things like that. Uh, are these things found in volcanoes? I know two of the, the gases that would be flammable in a volcanic mixture would be methane and hydrogen sulfide. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I know those ones. They would be. What else is going to be in there? Who knows? It's, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. We're not geologists. But, uh, no. 
But don't those don't those uh, don't those aren't those kind of odiferous? No, they're not. They're not. No, stanky? they're not. Uh, you got to remember is is a lot of the gases that we use that could. I mean, like methane does put off kind of that sewer smell. Hydrogen sulfide does not. Okay. So we're used to a lot of gases having like this is a, a common misnomer. People are like I would know if I had a gas leak, you know, because it smells like rotten eggs. Well, when you're out in the woods, nobody's artificially put that rotten egg smell in it well yeah that's the, that is true because and they do they do put that in methane yeah, yeah I know, natural gas mm-hmm. yeah yeah so no those are the flammables so though as I, I we were talking about again i'm going back to the geography if this crack is coming out of a tunnel which is uphill it's going to run down the valley which this ta- this village sits in kind of the 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 basin of a valley so it would all run down hit low spots, create little pockets of potentially explosive gas mm-hmm. that if there's a spark, which, okay, my TV's on, it's got little sparks running around in it, or my computer's running, or my car ignition is on, but the car's not on, I can see how that could cause a fire. Mm-hmm. What it doesn't appropriately answer is the fires that are caught in things like furniture or electronics that aren't turned on. Yeah, or a or, hair dryer that's not plugged in. Or a hair in. dryer that's not plugged in. It also doesn't account for, for like, you know, hard drives being wiped and, and gates opening and closing on by themselves. It, it does not. Yeah. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Uh, there is There is some discussion, at least one article that I came across was talking about the fact that if it is some kind of volcanic fissure that is leaking gas, it's probably going to be leaking volcanic ash at the same time in very small quantities. But that's going to drift down. And, and I, I've got to I've got to read this because I didn't exactly get it. But this is what I'm understanding is that there is a bit of friction that is caused between the ash when two pieces of ash rub together or go across each other, which would create a static charge. So if enough of that builds up, it's going to create enough static charge that could potentially start a fire. Seems like yeah. then you would be dealing with like random fireballs as well. You, yeah, you know, it wouldn't yeah. necessarily always be things. I, I'm, well, plus I think people in the village would be noticing that there's ash all over everything. Yeah, You would think, but if it's in small amounts or it's ground into stuff, I can see how it's not noticeable. But Devin brings up a good point because that ties back into, remember the UFOs, the the glowing balls over the ocean. I guess that's true. I forgot about those. It could be the old men in black explanation of swamp gas or Mm. a burning ball of gas floating over the horizon. That's fair. Mm. Potentially. So that's a bunch of their gas that's just gone out and got caught on fire. Somehow caught on fire. fisherman lit a cigarette and... Yeah. (laughs) Flicked it straight up 100 feet Mm -hmm. and caught a ball of fire up. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing about the, the the thing about this theory that I'm not so sure about is that like besides the, the flammable ones like hydrogen sulfide and methane, there are a lot of other gases that are associated with volcanic leaks, and some of them are pretty caustic, and and you, you would be smelling them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and, and one thing that we haven't talked about a little bit, if we're going to go into this theory just a tad bit more, is there have been reports of people saying that as they were going through the the tunnels uh, around the village on the A20, and I want to say that the other road is the, it's like the A18, or it's an A-teen, I remember that, it's, a, it's in the teens. 
is that there are random events where a car will shut off. The electronics of the car die. Mm. Car goes to a stop. They start it back up. It it starts. The ignition fires, and then they drive away. And they don't know how much that happens, but people have reported that in that area. And that's just like inside the tunnels only? I don't know if it's in the tunnels or if it's on the other road or if it's on the bridge. Like the reporting on it was very scant, but it could be that it's some of those more caustic other uh, gases, which when the car sucks it in instead of oxygen is going to kill the ignition, you know, in the, in the cylinder, Mm -hmm. gas cannot ignite if there is not oxygen and it's some non gas that doesn't burn right with it then the car dies. Mm-hmm. But it it rolls far enough forward to get out of that pocket of gas so that when a, they go to turn it over, it sucks in air again. So that's, that's why the occupants of the car don't get asphyxiated then? They're moving too yeah. quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's not perfect, but it's one of those things that I've heard or have read. So I think, I think the, the explanation for that is these people just need to get their car worked on. <laughs> it's, it's some auto body shop in the village or car repair shop in the village that's doing it. Yeah. yeah that's probably what it is. No, it could very well be. Um, I, I know Devin likes this because we, we've used nefarious enough of times uh, and oh. this this plays a little so bit the next theory here well we've got our next theory and it plays a little bit into the volcanic bit and then it goes on to the much more nefarious aspect so this kind of ties the two together is that when there are volcanic eruptions there tend to be some electromagnetic issues that go on because i don't understand why because i'm not a volcanologist as we've said but it happens Well, that is one reason people say that there's these electromagnetic issues. The other one is that some bad organization is targeting the town, and what they're doing is they're they're using a high-powered electromagnetic beam, shooting it at the village from somewhere most likely out to sea, which I gotta say sounds like a total evil supervillain move, mm. um, and they're frying stuff in the town. Yeah, sounds legit. Yeah, yeah. This is actually yeah. Now this works because I, I would I would not be at, at all surprised if somebody some some supervillain wasn't working on some sort of volcano lancing super laser. That they could use to to blackmail the world. You're laughing, but this is like a serious theory. Volcano (laughs) Yes, a volcano lancing super laser that, uh, yeah, and then he could just say, hey, guys, if you don't want hot lava boiling down through your town, you better better cough up like a million bucks, man. Yeah. Yeah, right now. One million dollars. Yeah. One billion dollars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it might be that these are kind of beta versions. They're weaker beta versions. He still hasn't gotten all it. All the way up to the superpowered one yet? Or she. Or she. she. Or she. Possibly she. Yeah. Or it. Yeah. As in a organization. Because yeah. it's there's there's a uh there's a US Air Force base right in that area, so of course the finger gets pointed at them. Okay, good. The be. finger gets pointed at the government, at aliens, or at a supervillain. The quote that I've got here talks about the fact that it would have to be a ultra high frequency beam. And it would have to be transmitted somewhere between 300 megahertz and 3 gigahertz. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, and I mean, they have been they have been monkeying around with EMP uh, EMP weapons, and so that that's well, we've it. talked about that. But that's and masers and every other kind of silly laser item like that. Yeah, yeah. An EMP device wouldn't set things on fire. 
Uh, yeah, no. I was going to say, no. Uh, yeah. It, it's it not, do that. not meant to do that. Yeah. No. Um, our next, sadly, theory, our next theory, sadly, could be one of the more plausible. And that it was a, it was a local boy slash man. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, and by boy slash man, I mean a boy in 2004 is in a teenage boy who is now a man. Because uh, one of the Italian reports that I found was talking about the fact that they had fi- they believe they the authorities mm-hmm. believe they finally figured out what the problem was, and it was uh, Giuseppe Pizzino. He's 26, and he'd been so that means he'd been 15, 16 years old at the time, and they're saying he's the one who starts all the fires. Yeah. He was running around starting fires, kind of a pyromaniac situation, oh, burning that's, things. That's not unheard of. It's not unheard of, though. More unheard of is, like, breaking into a house to set a hairdryer on fire and then escaping yeah. before anybody noticed that you're in the house. Well, the hairdryer, in my mind, is kind of suspect because yeah. whenever I walk into a room in my house... And I, ca- and I find something on fire. I don't stop to take pictures of it. I've actually, I grab the freaking fire extinguisher. No, I haven't seen the picture. It kind of just looks like there's a flashlight shining on it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's it does. It yeah. just looks like there's like a bright light. And I am, I am taking the photo at face value according yeah. to what it's written about sure. it. That's, yeah. So you're right. It does look a little suspect. Mm-hmm. But here's here's what we're saying is that remember I told or what I was saying is I told you that when the feds came in they had put up all these cameras or when the government had yeah. come in and then the fire stopped when they yeah well there everyone. evidently is some footage just at the beginning of that time and one of this one of those pieces of footage shows him by a car and doing something almost the strike a match movement if you were going to strike a match a, a wooden match away from yourself mm-hmm. and he's in front of a car and then it's obvious it's one of those cameras that does every 5 or 10 seconds and then suddenly the car is smoky and billowing he's moved away and then the fire department comes running mm-hmm. around to it it almost uh it's really it's kind of comical to watch it's almost like a benny hill skit the way everybody runs around uh-huh. but yeah. they run over and and you can see him standing there almost as if he's you know on his phone going mm-hmm. oh, i don't know what's going on or what happened over there i do i question it because there were so many things and i I really don't know how one guy could have got into so many places unless nobody in that village ever locked their frickin' door. Which is highly That's, likely. Yeah, besides which, you, know, you can't entirely rule out the possibility of copycats, too. Well, but the thing is, what I don't understand, and maybe this is tacked on, is all the other weird... The, the computer drives wiped. Okay, I can see somebody goes in with a magnet and just wipes the drives. But what about car doors and weird electronic stuff, you know, locks opening and closing, things like that? Are we absolutely certain those things happen? Exactly. I'm saying is that I don't know that those aren't tacked onto the story. Sure. I can't say they're not. It just, it seems like a lot. And it seems like there's, according to the, the article I was reading, he might not have done it all on his own because mm. his dad, at the time that he got in trouble was head of the fund to compensate people for things that had caught on fire. Mm. So maybe his dad was helping him a little bit once he sure. figured out mm. he was doing it and, hey, help me keep my job kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I, I still so, think I mean, maybe Giuseppe is, is totally, totally the one who did it all. He I, probably is. 
<laughs> ah, yeah, well, Devin, Devin Judge Jury right there. Yeah, I think Done. he probably yeah. is. I think it's entirely possible, too, that, that, that at least some of these things have caught fire. People just thought, hey, I want to get on the act. I want the guy from the, the National Enquirer to come by and interview me. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to light my toaster on fire. <laughs> or yeah. this hairdryer doesn't work anymore. I'm going to light it on fire, and then the fund will replace it. Yeah, there's that. that yeah, that's that could be. You could, I would do that. You could intentionally overload something. I would do that. And then plug it back into the socket and say, look, it caught on fire right there. Oh, my gosh, I need a new one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I know this is the crappy one, but I'd love the fancy, super chrome Cuisinart version, please. I mean, That's the version I bought when I bought it. You just can't so... tell because it's so melted. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's a lot of evidence of people pulling that kind of fraud off in the past yeah. to say that it, it's entirely plausible. Mm-hmm. And as far as wiping your drive, your hard drive, I guess. I don't see what the hell you'd get out of wiping your computer, because every no. time my computer dies, I am so angry, even if I have it backed up. Yeah, I know. But no, I mean, I, I, I would put a compensation for a claim for compensation, like, you know, that drive had, it was filled with cat videos. You spent a whole lot of time. Me, it took me five years at uh, working, you know, 20 hours a week to build up my collection of cat videos. They're all gone. I would like to be compensated for my time. I have a feeling that might actually get thrown out. <laughs> it probably would, yeah. <laughs> this reminds me, I got, I've got to back up my cat videos. <laughs> um, I, I do have a couple of bits that I want to throw out. These are not re- specifically related to any theory, but they are explanations of some of the things that were going on. Do you remember I talked about the water pipes that suddenly, after all the fires, suddenly water, ironically, water pipes are bursting? Yes. There is a theory on how that might be happening, and that is through what is, it's called a, I'll probably mispronounce it, cathodic or cathodic process. I think, I think it's cathodic. It's cathodic, because it's a cathode. I think that's right. But yeah. basically what it is is that you've got a water pipe, and it's welded together with some material, and somehow electronic charge is getting to the pipe, and that's going to corrode and weaken that seam. So mm. that's what's causing that. So it's almost like there's an electrical leak in the ground that is weakening everybody's water pipes because then it gets in the system, screws the whole thing up. I um, I must say that this this village looks pretty old. I, it does. <laughs> I it looks like of... it's been around a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you that. that. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about, though, is Devin's favorite part. The eggplants. The eggplants. Oh, yeah. Yes. The evil, evil eggplants. Did a little bit of research on this, and I, okay, I admit my ignorance right off the bat. I thought all eggplants were that weird dark purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not, apparently. They are yeah. absolutely not. They are as varied as the rainbow. They come in a million colors, and most of them start out one color and then turn another. I also want to point out the fact that if this is a local farmer who is trying to save money, he may have gotten eggplant seeds from someone saying that they had a specific kind and did quite the sloppy job and gave him a variety of eggplants. Because I've had this at our houses that we'll say, oh, we're going to plant this. And you plant a bunch of seeds. And then the one oddball 
like, what is, what is that weird carrot? And it turns out not to be a carrot, but, you know, something utterly different. Yeah, an eggplant, yeah. mm-hmm. which I'll never grow. Well, it could have been actually a, also a little farmer playing a little prank on the press. You know, I know this. I know that they're going to come out all colors, but these guys probably have only seen, ever seen purple ones, you know. So mm-hmm. I'll bring them out to my farm, and I'll point out my multicolored eggplants and, you know, make, and just, you know, kind of make, make, make a fool out of these The one guys. thing that I've always seen in the articles, though, is they said the entire crop had to be destroyed because they couldn't sell it. Well, which sounds kind of bunkish to me. Yeah. Cross-pollination is also a thing. Like, you know, when you go out in the summer and there's like this one bush that's got flowers on it that's like a half one color and half another color. That's a thing. Yeah, I don't don't know if that's as prevalent in eggplant because it seemed like they were very, very linear in their their process, but it it completely could be. But it's possible if he had, you know, one plant that was a different color that got cross-pollinated with a bunch of them. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I I personally think it was a seed mix-up. That's what I'm thinking, too. I really think the the guy guy was growing asparagus and didn't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the guy probably... Might, he might very well deliberately mixed up the seeds to produce different colors. Yeah. You know, because that would make your fields look a lot prettier if they're all multi-rainbow colored and everything. That's that's really all we've got on this this little village. So I'm going to vote for human agency. I think UFO. People did it. Yeah? yeah no, yeah. I think aliens. I, I'm, I'm inclined to go with the volcanic gas on mine. But, uh, but, you know, we never talked about, did we ever vote on the other ones? Oh, who cares? No, it doesn't oh, matter. No, no, no. I think, uh, I, think, I think with mine, the Valley of the Headless Men, I think it was probably just unrelated. I know. think it was Turok, Son of Stone. Yeah, yeah, it could have been that. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. We're just glossing over mine. Okay. <laughs> I'm totally okay with that. Okay. Well, so concludes another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. So, Such gusto. I know, I know. Uh, hey, you probably don't know where our website is, so we're going to tell you. It's thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. Actually, I'm sure you do know, but just in case you don't. You can leave comments. We'll have links out there for you. You can li- listen to the episodes. More likely, you're finding us on iTunes. So if you are getting us off of iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a review, preferably a five-star review. We like those. Or a six-star review. That would yeah, be even that, better. that is the, the new coveted ranking in uh-huh. iTunes. Yeah. It's the six-star. Yeah, exactly. You can also stream us, and there's tons of places to do that, and literally billions and billions of places. So, Very does yeah, the stars. Name any. Uh, yeah, we're on Facebook, uh, just thinking sideways Facebook. Uh, definitely, you can you can friend us and like us and leave comments. So we also have a group. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we're also on Twitter, thinking sideways. We've dropped the G for that because we're so cool. And last of all, email. We get lots of emails. So if you'd like to send us an email with a suggestion or just tell us how much you love us, then you can find us. Our email is thinking sideways podcast at gmail dot com. And last of all, we are on Patreon now. If you haven't heard of Patreon, it's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So that would be Patreon slash Thinking Sideways. Patreon.com slash. Patreon.com slash Thinking Sideways, yeah. So if you don't know what Patreon is, well, you'll find out. Yep, we've got stuff on there to explain it. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Um, and that's pretty much it. Hopefully you're going to take our advice and stay the hell away from these places. Yeah. yeah. Go vacation somewhere normal. Yeah. Much nicer. No, actually, I think I'm going to, I, if I ever get the chance, I think I'm going to go to Sicily and go to this little village. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I would. Yeah. 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 I would do. I just wouldn't stay there. Yeah. The Valley of the Headless Man, not so much. No. No. Not no. doing it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it then. Uh, see you all next week. Bye, guys. Later, everyone. Bye.